This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. Baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How is it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me from the Ontario Rain headquarters, as always, is uh, my co-host Josh Schaefer. Josh, maybe in 2023 is when we're going to get the episode where you're actually, again, on the ice, you're in the goalie's net. Um, I guess you got to be professional and be in the offices, but hopefully next year is when we can finally uh, branch out to a new location, because I'm sure a lot of people would prefer if you were uh, chilling on the ice all bundled up. This is where we're at, and uh, and I would love to get in the building, but um, hopefully they don't lock me out, and maybe in the new year we can try that. Yeah, and if you're doing it, you have to like be fully dressed as a goalie. Like you need the full attire on. You got to have the mask. You got to have the oven mitts. You got to have all that kind of fun stuff. So maybe we'll see it in 2023. Maybe we won't. But I'm looking forward to it because I think that would make for one one killer episode. So the final episode of 2023 or 2022. I'm already starting to lose track of what year it is, Josh. But the final episode of 2022. Not a whole lot of Dodgers news to get to like we've talked about in previous episodes, but there is some notable things that we are going to discuss today. But before we get to all the latest Dodgers news, make sure to follow the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, and of course, we're on the Odyssey app. You guys can find us at Inside the Ravine and on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Inside the Ravine, wherever you guys uh, are using social medias, make sure to find us there. But Josh, before we uh, dive into the latest Dodger news, I wanted to uh, quickly get your thoughts on this. We don't have a college football show anymore, but right now, if we did, we'd be talking about bowl season. So question one, have you been keeping up with the latest college bowls that are going on? And two, out of all the ones that you've seen the last few days and that are upcoming, what is your favorite, I guess not Gatorade bath? But your favorite bath that these coaches are getting, because I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Gatorade baths are kind of a thing of the past when it comes to bowl games. All these different games have something unique and different. So I wanted to hear your thoughts and your opinion on what your favorite one that you've seen so far is, because I have quite a few that I, I have to share as well. Yeah, I think my favorite one's probably got to be the Cheez-It Bowl, because I feel like that's the one that I would probably enjoy the most. Um, I'm not really sure why. I mean, I do like Cheez-Its, but here's the issue with the Cheez-Its. They have to be the plain ones because then if it's not the plain, the the original ones, you're going to be covered in like the powder or like the cheddar cheese ones. So I'll go with the original one. I I like that the Cheez-It Bowl has become so gimmicky, though. So I got to love that. Uh, You and I used to have that show and, you know, no free ads. But the Cherubundi Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl was definitely my favorite bowl name. Um, because that's just a sponsor and a, and a game that's all over the place. Um, so that was my favorite name. But I think that my favorite shower has got to be the, the Cheez-It one. 
Yeah, the Cheez-It one's a good one. I like the uh, different options that you brought up. What are your thoughts on the uh, the Mayo Bowl? What are your thoughts on that and the coach no. having to uh, succumb to the, all, the, all the mayonnaise? No, absolutely not. I, I would straight up refuse to be a part of that. Because um, it's not like... It, it, it's not like the milk with like the Indy 500 or something like that, where it's like super famous. It's like the Duke's Mayo Bowl. You're not gonna force me to 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 be a part of that. Like uh, the Mayo, I don't want any part of whatsoever. Maybe I would change my thoughts if I was a head coach who just won that game at that point. If it was a great game too, I'd be like, let me have it. But as an as an outsider looking in, absolutely not. Um. I have only recently started to get into mayo a little bit, and it has to be very light. Like on a turkey sandwich, like a deli sandwich, I can do just a little bit of mayo. Um, I know that at, at Wendy's, you know, I'm not a – when it comes to fast food, I think we, we'll probably end up – we've done our, our fair share of, you know, fast food stuff. But in and out is – I almost don't even consider fast food, but most other fast food places I don't go to. But Wendy's, put a little bit of mayo on the burger sometimes. I can live with that as long as it's not too much. But just – the concept of mayo as, on its own, not a huge fan. I don't want any part of that. Yeah, it's kind of disgusting. I'd, I'd much prefer the cheese at bath or today we got the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. So I know it's a big thing of Frosted Flakes. I know a few weeks ago when they had the uh, Idaho Potato Bowl, you got doused in some French fries. So some definitely no, it creative should be ones. Potatoes. It full should potatoes. Be full potatoes. You get pelted with potatoes <laughs> at the end of the game. Yeah, that might be a hazard depending on just how built your coach is. Maybe if it was like Coach yeah. O, he could probably take the potatoes. But if it's like Mac Brown, I don't think it's wise if you're uh, dousing a 75-year-old <laughs> with some hardcore potatoes. But yeah, uh, love bowl season. Love watching them all. And uh, hey, still got like 15 more within the next like three or four days. So enough bull talk, Josh. Let's talk some uh, Dodgers baseball if we're able to, because I know the Ontario rain apparently don't believe in fantastic Wi-Fi. So we'll see if we're able to finish this episode before you completely go out. So let's talk about some Dodgers news. And the latest news uh, is, I guess, in regards to Brian Reynolds. He's been a pretty popular name this offseason. He requested a trade from the Pittsburgh Pirates. I think Literally, once the offseason ended, looks like right now they're pretty much asking for a King's Ransom. I think there was a report where they said, we want a Juan Soto type of package deal. And I don't know how serious Please. they were because uh, I hate to break it to Brian Reynolds and the Pittsburgh Pirates, but he's not Juan Soto. But he's a really, really good outfielder. He would definitely help the Dodgers, especially putting him in center field. But... It looks like, according to John Morosi, Josh, it's down to three teams potentially that are going to trade for Brian Reynolds. Again, not signed. you got to trade for him. And it looks like it's between the Yankees, Mariners, and Dodgers. And I guess the latest I was able to read was that the Mariners, I guess, have the upper hand. But I don't know how that works when you're in trade discussions. I don't know who really has the upper hand. So let's just say the Dodgers are a finalist potentially to acquire Brian Reynolds. So before we get to what exactly it's going to cost... Do you think the Dodgers should potentially make a move for Brian Reynolds, or are you comfortable with just standing pat and going into opening day with a platoon of Trace Thompson, Chris Taylor, James Outman, maybe one of Jason Hayward or Steven Duggar? Do you think one of those guys is uh, comfortable putting in center field to start the season? Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I would be fine if the Dodgers didn't make a move for, for Brian Reynolds. Also, you know, I've seen some people say that if they don't push for Brian Reynolds, then obviously want to see what you can get out of a guy like Trace Thompson too, who was great at the end of last season. Um, but um, 
Look, I think that for the Dodgers, the longer Brian Reynolds is a pirate, I think probably the better for the Dodgers. I think this deal, if the Dodgers go through with it, does not go through until maybe the start of spring training, very similar to the Mookie Betts deal. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be as big and as widely covered as the Mookie Betts trade was a couple of years ago. But if the Dodgers do pull this off, I think it's a lot closer to spring training. I also don't think the Dodgers are going to want to give up a guy like Diego Cartaya um, in that deal. I think that would be wild if they did. Um, and I don't think they will, regardless of which team makes a move for Brian Reynolds. Uh, the Pirates would love to have some sort of starting pitching um, asset come over in return. But also, the Pirates are pretty young, and they've got a couple of really good pieces, obviously. So, And, and Brian Reynolds is one of those, along with a guy like Cabrian Hayes. So I don't think they're too keen to let him go. I just don't think that they're going to get that type of offer from anybody, at least not yet, um, because they want to keep him on their team. And I don't see really anybody jumping at it right now. Um, but if the Dodgers go through, I think it's closer to spring training. Yeah, it looks like, I think this is about a week ago, but I think the Pirates, I think the, essentially the asking prices, they want like a top young starting pitcher. So immediately everyone was like, okay, Bobby Miller is your guy, or maybe like a Gavin Stone if you throw in some other prospects. But it sounds like if the Dodgers are going to pull off a trade for Brian Reynolds, it's going to cost you Bobby Miller, who many consider to be the best pitching prospect the Dodgers have, one of the 10 to 15 best pitching prospects in all of baseball. So it's one of those things where, do you take the risk of Bobby Miller becoming a potential Walker Buehler type, he's an ace, to lock in Brian Reynolds to see that big of a need, or do you just not meet the asking price? And this is the tough part I have with this, Josh, because I know when we were talking about like the Juan Soto rumors all those months ago, I'm personally on the camp of, you trade your prospects for top talent because you just never know with prospects. But it's just weird with Brian Reynolds because he's been around for four years and he's been a, a really good player. I mean, he finished top four in rookie of the year voting, was an all-star in 2021, finished top 11 in MVP voting. But you look at his numbers and they're really good. It just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like one of those players where you break the farm to get, even though he's under team control, I think, through, what, 2026. So you have yeah. him for four more seasons. I mean, the fact that this past season was kind of a down year for him, and he posted an OPS plus of 126, hit 27 home runs, hit 19 doubles, drove in 62 you know, runs, 140 hits. He's a really good player, but for some reason, I, I'm just... He would definitely help the Dodgers lineup, but I just don't know if he's the guy you trade like a Bobby Miller for, if you trade a Gavin Stone for, if you trade a Miguel Vargas, a Michael Bush for... I don't know. Maybe, maybe fans have their you know different beliefs, but there's just something that has me kind of saying, pump the brakes a little. I, I don't think this is the move that necessarily gets you over the hump that you have to make. And I think it would be a great asset um, for the Dodgers to, to have um, Brian Reynolds, and I think that he actually fits with the Dodgers well. Um, but what is interesting is I think that people have said that, you know, obviously I think he spent – more time consistently playing left field. Um, and I, I obviously the Dodgers want a center fielder. He'd be perfectly fine in center field, but especially it's like, it's like the same thing we talked about in, in a couple of other situations. Like, would you, would you sell the farm for a guy that you're going to put in maybe not his primary position? Like, um, I know that we talked a little bit about that with um, the, the whole, Aaron judge thing when it came to Mookie Betts too, like really putting Mookie at second base. Like, are you really going to, are you really going to do that and, and give somebody that much money um, and then put 
you, really your top player um, at a not their primary position or something like that. So that's kind of you know where I press pause a little bit. Of course, with um, Reynolds, it doesn't really concern me all that much because I think he is just a reliable defensive outfielder. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, again, like if the Dodgers can get um, a, a good deal without giving up all that much, um, then I think it's fine. And I, and I am in the same camp as you where I'm, I'm a big fan of going out and acquiring top young talent um, and uh, and giving up some of your, your top prospects for that Devin. Um, and next season he'll turn – 28. So he's only been in the league a couple of years. He's still really good. He's still got a ton of years uh, ahead of him. Um, so I would be okay with the Dodgers doing that, but it depends on who they give up and, um, and what that return is um, for the pirates. Like if it's a lot, then maybe press pause. Yeah. Look, I'm just looking at his, you know, fielding log and he, I, I thought it'd be more close to 50-50, his splits between center field and left field, but I guess he has played about double the amount of games in center field because I guess the last few years he's been kind of playing there a little more. So, I, like I said, I thought it was more split, but I guess center field is his more natural position. But looking at his advanced numbers, his uh, outs above average is 6 percentile, so not good. He is not great. So he's definitely a downgrade uh, 23 percentile outfield jump. He has a good arm, but he's a downgrade from Cody Bellinger, probably a downgrade from Trace Thompson out there. So again, it's just one of those things. You're getting four years of control over him. You're taking him where he's been the best player on the Pirates, and now he's the fourth or fifth best player in the Dodger lineup. So yeah, it'd be a good addition. Yeah. Again, if the Dodgers trade for him, it would make them a much better team. But I just don't know if he's the kind of guy that you trade your top pitching prospect for. The Dodgers, we've seen them in years past, how good they are with finding hidden talent. Maybe maybe Jason Hayward, maybe Steven Duggar, maybe one of those guys is able to be league average and serviceable, and the Dodgers are able to be just fine. But Josh, let's do let's do a quick fun game. I was going to title this the, uh, we'll do this at one point of the offseason maybe, where it's, would you trade Michael Bush for this player? And it's just going to be where Josh just answers no on every single one until we maybe get to Shohei Otani <laughs> where he actually has to consider it. But I'm just going to list through some of the Dodgers' top prospects, Josh. And you tell me, would you include them as the headliner in a potential deal for uh, Brian Reynolds? So obviously if there's yeah. a top guy, he might be, you know, I, I don't think this is going to be like a Juan Soto deal where they have to send like three or four of their top five guys. I think it would be like they send one of their top names and then attach maybe some lesser prospects. So let's just go. Uh, we'll start at the top with Diego Cartaya. Do you have no. him as a headliner in a Brian Reynolds trade? And that was an easy no. answer. All right. Bobby Miller. We kind of just talked about him a little. Preferably no. Okay, what about Gavin Stone? Probably the Dodgers' second best pitching prospect. Gavin Stone, I'd be more inclined to say yes, but for the sake of this game, we're going to say no. What about if you headline it with Miguel Vargas? That's one that I think I have to say no to because I think he's actually going to play a bigger piece for the Dodgers this year. So for the first four, I'm saying no for all of them. Now we get to the most important one, Josh. Let's say, hey, it starts with Michael Bush. Yes or no? I would personally, I would, with my heart, I would say no, because I do really want to see Michael Bush play for the Dodgers. Uh, but I do think that maybe this is where you start to get into a little bit more realistic scenario for the Dodgers, maybe not for the Pirates. So for the sake of this, maybe I'll say no again. So pretty much what it sounds like, Josh, is we're, we're kind of just, again, not on the Brian Reynolds trade 
you know, your top guys to get him. Maybe things change. Maybe he puts together one hell of a first half of a season and the Dodgers by the trade deadline are in desperate need of a center fielder and they pull the trigger and he's worth it. But yeah, again, it's just one of those weird ones where if I were to like list off a number of outfielders across baseball and they were, you know, household names, guys that you knew were all-stars and superstars, and I told you, this guy's going to give you an OPS plus of 127 a season, he's going to hit 20 homers, he's going to steal 20 bases, he's going to hit 280, he's going to hit 25 doubles or so, he's going to hit five to six triples, you'd be like, oh yeah, let me let me get that guy in a heartbeat, but I think it's just because it's the name Brian Reynolds, the fact that he's on the Pittsburgh Pirates, has some of us just a little, you know, I, I don't I, it's just weird. Like I said, I he's a good player. He's an all-star center fielder. He would be fantastic in the Dodgers lineup, but I just I I, I don't want him. Like I I don't think what he's worthy got, of a top to top a prospect. Point, yeah, I mean, what if you got to a point where you're like, "All right, how about Ryan Pepio?" And cuz again, that's a top prospect. MLB.com has him at 6 for the Dodgers, but it's not Bobby Miller. It's not Gavin Stone. The MLB has Gavin Stone as the number seven prospect, so behind Pepio. But if you were to do maybe one of those three, so that's still a top three pitching prospect for the Dodgers, somebody that is likely going to see time, if not a full-time job in, in the MLB with the Pirates. And then also you toss in somebody else, like still in the top 25 for the Dodgers, whether it be a pitcher or, or a position player or not, because the Dodgers have a ton of pitchers in their you know, top 20, top 25 prospects. So if you throw in a guy like maybe a Pepio or a Stone, maybe one of those two, and then somebody further down the list, is that enough to make that deal possible? For the sake of the Dodgers, I would say hopefully yes, but I don't see the Pirates taking that. Yeah, it's tough because, again, the Pirates have all the leverage because he has four years of control, and, again, they don't have to trade him. It's not like the NBA where you could just hold out and not play or the NFL like, he'll be playing, and they can hold out for another year, two years, three years, however long they want to go. So, yeah, maybe the Dodgers opt to go with, like, Pepio, but then they have to attach more prospects, like, in the 10 to 15 range. So the Pirates might get more in return, but they might not get that headliner. So either way, it seems kind of like a win-win. Either the Dodgers hold on to their top prospects, or they uh, get a all-star center fielder that just makes their lineup even deeper. So definitely, uh, that's a rumor to uh, keep an eye on, because I, I personally think he might get traded at some point in the next couple of weeks, but hey, if it's down to three teams, that means the Dodgers have a 33% chance, so maybe we'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks, who knows, but we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we have some uh, Dodgers news to talk about that eh, I prefer we weren't, but we do have to because it's pretty important for the rest of the offseason, so stay tuned for that. All right, and we are back all right josh now it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty because this is kind of there's there's a plethora of reasons why the dodgers have been not cheap this offseason but very careful when it comes to handing out contracts obviously we've talked about this in previous episodes i think and a lot of people think they want to hold out for shohei otani next offseason and to do so you have to offer him 500 million and it would help to get under the luxury tax so that way you're not paying you know millions and millions in fees next offseason 
But another reason that the Dodgers have been kind of cautious when it comes to spending money is because there was a contract worth about $30 million that was kind of just hanging around and they weren't sure they were going to have to pay it. Well, in case you guys missed the news last week, Trevor Bauer, yeah, that guy that uh, suited up for the Dodgers for a couple months last off or last season, well, his suspension was officially reduced. He's re he's ready to go. He's able to pitch in 2023. Now, the Dodgers did get lucky with this, Josh, because although he's eligible to pitch in 2023, his first 50 games of pay are suspended. So I think the official number is something like $22 million that he's officially going to be owed, which does keep the Dodgers barely under the luxury tax. But either way, the Dodgers are going to have to pay him. They have until January 6th, which is a week from today, to either release him or they can add him to the 40-man roster. So they still have seven days to make that decision. But again, if the Dodgers keep him or release him, they're still on the books for that $22 million. So overall, I mean, this is the way I'm leaning, Josh, because I know a lot of people, when the news came out that he was reinstated, they were saying, okay, what are the Dodgers doing? They got to just release him immediately. And I know a lot of people are starting to give the Dodgers a lot of crap for, I think it's been like a week now, and they kind of haven't done anything. And I think this is what we're probably going to see. So I'd love to hear if you agree or if you disagree with this. I think Dodgers fans need to brace themselves that he's added to the 40-man roster at some point within the next week. But if he's added to the 40-man roster, I don't think that means he's going to pitch at all. I think it just allows the Dodgers to have more time to pretty much see what the trade market is potentially for him because here's here's what's going to happen if the dodgers release him i think there are going to be teams out there that put in claims for him you're getting a pitcher who is just a couple years shy of winning a cy young and they're not going to have to pay anything they're going to have to pay like the league minimum that's i don't know seven hundred thousand dollars so teams are going to want to do that so if you're the dodgers add him to the 40 man see if teams are willing to trade for him and now you're not going to be getting top tier prospects for him at all the goal and hope of trading him is that a team comes and says, we'll pay 25% of his salary. You cover 75%, we'll take 25%, and we'll attach a player to be named later. So that's my guess. I think the Dodgers want to see what potentially can happen in regards to shedding some salary if possible, because at the end of the day, you're not he's not going to pitch for you. Would you rather owe him $22.5 million dollars? Or would you rather owe him $17 million? So I, I do think he's added to the 40-man, but I don't think he pitches for the Dodgers. I think they just want to wait it out. And if by spring training it rolls around and they just can't find a trade partner, I think then they cut ties, they release him, they DFA him, and then some other team out there, they pick him up, they pay him $700,000, and the Dodgers got to pay the full $22 million. Yeah, um, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. Um, I think the Dodgers will add him to the 40 man. I think they will explore some sort of trade um, so that they can get rid of a good portion of that salary that they have to pay him and they'll get a player to be named later. And if it doesn't happen, the Dodgers will, will release him right now. They have until January 6th to make that decision on whether or not he will be added to the Dodgers 40 man roster. Um, and again, this was after the, the, overall suspension of what was it 324 games was cut down um so they have until january 6th to make that decision on what what his future with the organization is going to be like at least step one of finishing out what that or finalizing what that future is going to be step one is whether or not they add him to the roster and if they do i think they explore trade if they don't find it 
I think they release him. Um, it seems like reports have kind of indicated that the Dodgers are not incredibly keen on having Trevor Bauer on the roster. Um, and, you know, there are a couple of different reports. Um, one of them's from um, John Heyman had said that um, it appears as if the Dodgers are a little bit more keen to release Bauer um, because there are people in the clubhouse that would, quote, prefer he'd be elsewhere. So, I, which is completely understandable. Um, and, uh, and I think that, especially with how he has long, you know, since been removed from the whole situation with the Dodgers, um, then turning around and adding him back to the team um, is not a great look for the Dodgers. And I'm sure that there are a lot of guys in the clubhouse that probably are not very keen on that, which is what some reports are saying. So um, you're right. I think the Dodgers add him to the 40-man roster. Um, explore some sort of trade that will um, alleviate some of the pressure of that salary or some of the weight of that salary that they have to pay him. Um, and if they can't find it, I think they release him. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like a 0% chance that he suits up for the Dodgers, but it's probably not a whole lot higher just because it seems like every report out there is just guys in the clubhouse aren't too keen on it, in which I'm sure there's a number of players that don't care. They'd welcome him back to the clubhouse, but... If guys like Clayton Kershaw especially, if Kershaw's saying, you know, I I prefer he's not in the clubhouse, apparently there was something I heard, I guess David Vassay was on Dodger Talk recently, or he was in an interview talking about it, and apparently, uh, back when he was on the team, I guess Kershaw and a few other players went to him and pretty much told him, you need to cut it with, like, the filming in the clubhouse, like, chill with all of your, you know, YouTube stuff. So, back then, before all this stuff happened... Just the YouTube stuff, it seems like, was kind of rubbing off on them the wrong way. So you have to take into account all the players in the clubhouse that are going to have to deal with it. And the Dodgers, they also have to take into account the fan base that there was a good chunk that already was not on board when they signed him a couple years ago. And you take the percentage that already wasn't a fan, you then add the percentage of people that were fans that probably have changed their tune. And it's not going to be an overwhelming amount of people that probably are going to be in favor of bringing them back. So there's a lot the Dodgers have to consider. So again, just because they haven't released him at this point, I'm not going to be hounding on the Dodgers because, you know, this this is a tough thing that you really have to weigh every single option imaginable. I know they've had months and months to kind of decide, but like we talked about, I, I think that's the best bet. See if you can trade him for literally anything because, hell, even if a team says, you guys got to pay 90%, we're only paying 10%, Again, paying $20.5 million, Josh, is a whole lot better than having to pay $22.5 million. So it's definitely going to be an interesting development to see if anything transpires over the next week. I don't think he can technically be traded, unless he's like added to the 40-man and then immediately traded. So I don't know how exactly that's going to work. But just a brace for a breakdown on Twitter when you get the tweet notification on, on January 6th saying uh, the Dodgers have added Trevor Bauer to the 40-man roster. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be pitching for the Dodgers, but at this, I mean, at this point also, it's just a smart move because even if you're not going to trade him, just let the next month play out, see what happens, exactly. and then again, February 1st, the week before spring training rolls around, if you're keen on that decision, then you cut ties. But there really is yeah. no use in just straight up releasing him right now because, again, this is a guy that just won the signing award a couple of years ago that was really good for the Dodgers when he pitched, you know, those 15, 20 starts. So it's a tough kind of hill to be on. But again, if we were to both guess, he's not going to be suiting up for the Dodgers. It's just a matter of yeah. 
how can you maximize the situation given the circumstances that you have? Hear me out. Get him out. They don't want him in the clubhouse. Get him out. I know a team that's looking for a starting pitcher and has a player that recently requested a trade. Trevor Bauer for Brian Reynolds, straight up. Not bad. I would personally do that trade. I'd, I'd, I'd offer not. to pay all of his salary. I'd say we'll take all of Bauer's uh, $22.5 million. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do that easy. Now, my only thing that I worry about with this whole situation, Josh, is because, again, there's some pretty awful people in baseball. There's some pretty, I mean, there are guys that have been suspended, you know, not as severe as Bauer got, but there are some guys that have gotten suspended for doing some pretty bad things. So teams clearly don't care when it comes to yeah. adding guys on the team. My, my biggest, I mean, again, not that it's necessarily a worry, but this just has like, if, you know, he's ultimately released and not traded, this just seems like a total, the Padres pick him up, the Mets pick him up, one of these contenders in the National League picks him up, and you got to face him. And I, again, that's on the Dodgers. They're going to have to uh, pay the price on him facing them. But it just seems like if that's the case, that's kind of the path we're headed towards. Because I can't see like a team like the Pirates. I can't see a team like the Marlins. I can't see a team like the Royals, one of these bottom feeders, claiming him off waivers. If he's picked up, it's going to be a contending team that's going for a World Series that's going to be adding him for nothing. It's going to be like the Albert Pujols contract where the Angels were essentially paying his entire deal while the Dodgers were paying him 700000 to hit dingers. That's my biggest story, but again, it's that's just the situation we're in. So, hey, maybe the Marlins pick him up and the Dodgers don't have to worry about seeing him in October if that's the case, but it seems like if he is released, uh, it's going to be... It's like in Christmas Vacation that keeps on giving the whole year, but it's not the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. It's like whatever the opposite of a gift is, I don't know, but it's going to be that that keeps on giving the whole year and hopefully not against the Dodgers come October time. Yeah, I could, I could totally see that happening. <laughs> so we'll see again, something to follow, but we're just letting you guys know, do not panic. Do not worry. If on January 6th, you get the notification that says he's been added to the 40 man. They're just giving it time. They're letting the whole thing play out. Believe in the Dodgers like we do. And we'll see. Hey, and hey, maybe the Dodgers get a player to be named later that turns into something solid down the line and it helps keep yeah. the Dodgers under the luxury tax. So that pretty much wraps it up for today's episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, not a whole lot of Dodgers news has come out over the last week, but Josh, J.D. Martinez yesterday, he was finally yeah. added to the 40-man rosters. It was getting a little there you go. getting a little concerned there. It had been almost two weeks since uh, he was signed, but Jake Reed, uh, uh, I think this is his... I think this is his third or fourth time being DFA'd by the Dodgers. So, hey, hats off to him for, uh, like you said, being a trooper, being that guy yeah, because... The real team guy. I think I saw some tweet that he's now been DFA'd by five different teams in the last five months. Which, considering that the regular season ended in September, I think he's, being DF I think he's been DFA'd by three teams just this offseason. So, hey, hats off to, Jay, uh, to Jake Reed and... Also, Justin Turner's deal is not official with the Red Sox, so, hey, we're seeing what's happening with Carlos Correa. Maybe we can hold out slight hope for Justin Turner to somehow come back to the Dodgers. So, uh, Josh, before we head into the new year, again, I'm not sure when exactly our next episode's going to be. Maybe January 4th, 5th, 6th, who knows, we'll have to wait and see. Probably sometime within the next week. By the time we record our next episode, is Carlos Correa going to be with the team, or is he still going to be in limbo uh, awaiting results of apparently 
his uh, bad ankle. Yeah. Um, for the sake of uh, for the sake of something to talk about on the next episode, uh, I'm gonna say no, and I'm gonna leave it at that. Jokes on me when it comes out tomorrow, and everything's finalized. Yes. But I'm gonna say no. <laughs> I'll say no as well, just because it's it's funny. It's it's getting it's hilarious at this point. I love it. I need I need a third team to come in, say okay, we got no problem giving him a ten year three hundred million dollar deal. Whoa, what is that? I, I saw some tweet where it was like just going down the list, and it just ends with like, yeah, the Oakland Athletics have reached a one year league minimum contract with Carlos Correa because that's what he's going to be <laughs> worth when this is all said and done. I'm telling you, man, Andrew Freeman is sitting back going, I said I wouldn't do it. I said. This is for the fans. What's that, Scott Boris? He would take a two-year, $80 million contract? <laughs> I said I wouldn't do it. A one-year, $40 million? Oh, Scott, don't do it. That's that's how Friedman's <laughs> probably reacting right now. So uh, make sure you guys follow the show on social media. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Inside the Ravine. You guys can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and, of course, the Odyssey app because we are brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Josh, any uh, parting words before we head out for the new year ahead of 2023? Hopefully 2023 brings a lot less playoff disasters for the Dodgers. Yes. And less heartbreak. That, that's a great way to sum it up, Josh. What else can you ask for? Just screw health, screw family, screw money. Yeah. <laughs> I want 2023 to bring me a disaster-free Dodgers season. Please. I mean, I also can I also can sign off on that. So, again, as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to uh, subscribe, follow, give us a five-star rating wherever you guys listen to your podcast. Help support the show. You guys can follow us on Twitter. He's at Josh Schaefer25. I'm at Blake Harris TBLA. Thank you guys so much for tuning in in 2022. We look forward to many more episodes in 2023. And enjoy the rest of your 2022 year, wherever you may be.